Hello and welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I feel my memories for this movie may be lost in time. And I'm Gary, and today we're going to review and discuss Warlock, which released in 1989, from writer David Tui and directed by Steve Miner. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis for Warlock? Well, the story follows Julian Sands, the Warlock, who has come from the past to search for the Grim Grimoire, the Devil's Bible in the future of Los Angeles. He's been followed by Giles Redfern, played by Richard E. Grant, and Redfern's mission is to stop the Warlock from destroying existence. So this was going to be, originally it was going to be a theatrical release, right. but New World Pictures kind of filed for bankruptcy uh, as this film was completed. And so it was picked up by Trimark Pictures and eventually uh, was given a theatrical run, I believe probably by 20th Century Fox, yeah. or at least by the distribution onto video and DVD anyway. But yeah, this film kind of had a troubled launch getting out the gate mm. and... Uh, it probably was seen by most on the Sci-Fi Channel because it was constantly <laughs> rerun late night on on TV. Yeah, and uh, but I I was always I was always interested in in this film from the moment that I saw it, but also just looking at the uh, the director and the writer team. Yeah, yeah, and like some of the projects they'd worked on before this and would go on to after this one, like. Director Steve Miner, most will probably recognize him as the director of Friday the 13th Part 2 and Part 3. Nice. And of course he also directed House and Halloween H2O and Lake Placid nice. and then the Day of the Dead remake in 2008. Well I did see he also did Forever Young with that's, Mel Gibson. That's, that's a right. pretty good film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we've also got David Tui, who most would probably recognise as the writer for the Pitch Black and Riddick movies. Nice. But he also worked on Critters 2, Warlock 2, mm. The Arrival, and uh, and a couple of others. So I'm like, you know what, there's a really good team here of writer-director, especially in the horror genre as well. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so... I'm always surprised that this film didn't quite get a cult following or the recognition that I thought maybe this film deserves. Yeah, I suppose you're right. I, I, I felt that getting ready to watch it for this review. Like, I saw Warlock on the list and I was like, oh yeah, I'm really excited about doing that because it's kind of a, a cult favourite. You know, I remember it, you know, fondly in my memories. And then I started to really think about it and I was like, whoa, 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 let's, let's think about it properly, Ian. You saw the sequel first, and that kind of got you interested in seeing the first one. And the first one's got like a really cool poster, but as we know now, most 80s movies did, but didn't really have good films. And this one, like we said, has got a troubled like production, like some of the actor actresses didn't like working on set with some of the decisions the director was making. And like we said, they're suffering from bankruptcy, so funding's quite of an issue. Sitting down to watch this for like the third time, I don't think I'll be returning again because I finally have seen through all the haze of nostalgia and I'm like, you know what? No, it's not a good film. Oh. oh well, I say that, but let's let's go from the start. So, you know, we, we start, we're in the 17th century and we're walking around this village with this group of witch hunters, you know, and they have captured 
Julian Sands warlock character and have sealed him in this tower and they're going to burn him at the stake and they're going to well, they're going to burn him over a basket of cats, I believe that one of them says at one point. <laughs> do you, um, you recognise that uh, magistrate? No, no. Uh, that's Ian Abercrombie. Now, you might recognise him as the wise one oh, from right. Army of Darkness. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, nice. Hey. Now, no. there's quite a few little uh, or, or recognisable faces from other cult movies that will pop up th throughout this film as well okay but yeah the moment he spoke i was like i know that voice <laughs> strange <laughs> one yes thou art to be hanged and then burnt over a basket of living cats there is no question left but one i got it i got it i know your damn words all right but this is it like well first off it's called warlock but he's not a warlock he's a witch because, like, I don't really understand all the Wicca stuff. There but... can be male witches, too. Yeah, yeah, you can. You and have... they're called warlocks. <laughs> you have male witches, but you also... Well, some of them can be called warlocks. And I, if I remember rightly, if you call a witch a warlock, that's actually an insult. Because they're actually completely separate. But they don't call him a warlock once in this film. No, they don't even give him a name. He's just a witch. <laughs> yeah, no, he's just called Warlock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> witch. Yeah. You know, and like it visually, it looks nice. Him there, chained up with his thumbs. You know, and and he just looks at them and he scares all the magistrates. And then we we are introduced to Giles Redfern, played by Richard E. Grant, who walks into the room and has this one on one with Julian Sands, and it's great. Except Richard E. Grant is putting on the worst accent ever. Much can happen in a day. Yet here have you hung for three. Would not Satan have saved you were he thus inclined? I kind of really liked it. <laughs> now, I don't know whether it's because it is it's that so bad that I like it, but the, at least he keeps it up throughout the entire film. Because he's great. Yeah, he is. Like... Richard E. Grant is great. Now, like this film, I will say, like, it is a schlocky B-movie, okay? It is schlock <laughs> B-movie. It is, it is. But Richard E. Grant and Julian Sands play this like it's a you know an Oscar-winning movie. Yes, they, they do. They play it to the absolute pinnacle of their of what they can give in a performance. I'd even say this is probably one of Julian Sands' best performances. It, which, it is for which me, isn't, anyway. Which isn't a lot of saying. I mean, we've got this, Arachnophobia, where he dies, and Boxing Helena, where he boxes a woman up and chops off her arms and legs. Yeah. We'll go with Warlock, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but this is what I'm saying. Like, Richard E. Grant, at this point, he'd done With Nail and I. Yeah. And I, apologies, I still haven't seen it yet. But I hear it's great. Um, and so he's really great stage performer. You know, he can really act. And it just feels like his role, they were like, look, you're this witch hunter. Um, we don't know what a Brit British accent sounds like. Well, it sounds like this. <laughs> no, no, no. It doesn't sound like that. We want you to be all hoity-toity and, you know, be like all kind of, you know, like you've been living in 17th century Boston for like the last 20 years or whatever. Well, interesting bit of trivia for you. Okay. Is that originally Richard E. Grant was cast as the warlock and Julian Sands was cast as Redfern. And it that was only when they got on set the director was like, mm, no. <laughs> switch them around and change the casting because he thought oh. that they would be better going against type apparently yeah. so I was like you know what? Julian Sands does have the look yeah. especially in the back I don't know how you know Red Farron would have looked in the, the get up but 
you know, he fucking leaves him alone for two seconds. Right. Two fucking seconds. He walks down some stairs, <laughs> pops his head out the door, looks at the sky and goes, oh, I don't like those clouds. That's a weird effect. Mm, yeah, like <laughs> Let's that. go check on the warlock. It certainly looks like the approach of oncoming evil. And he runs back up the stairs and the warlock has He's made already a... untying himself. Yeah, like... <laughs> That was quick. <laughs> How? He's a warlock. <laughs> I'd get it if he'd like convinced the guard, but it just feels very rushed, especially now that Red Fern just yeah. jumps onto the jumps onto the warlock day and they go through this tunnel through time. And we are now in uh, Los Angeles. And we are hearing this kind of montage of the devil's wind is going around blowing the city. <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah, weird weird things have happened. It's turned on electrical clocks that shouldn't be working and giving us news reports. Um, and we're introduced to uh, Laurie Singer, uh, Car- uh, Cassandra's character. With a K. With a K. Cassandra with a K. And she's living in this kind of nice building apartment with her friend, who we find out later is just somebody she met. Yeah. And so <laughs> Julian Sands comes flying through the window. <laughs> And so they're completely shocked that this guy is lying on the floor in their window. Like, he's completely smashed it. But it's LA, everybody. This happens... All the time. All the time. This guy could be on (laughs) drugs. Or he could just be a struggling actor. Who knows? Let's not call the police. Well, he did try, but the phone was dead. The line was out. That's right. That's right. So what we'll do is we'll take him and we'll put him on Cassandra's bed and let him sleep it off. See, they're good... You know, Samaritans, the good people. Mm. <laughs> Look, just lie down here. Let your big grey Delco recharge. And so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> next day, like, she's off to do whatever it is she's off to do. Well, she's a waitress, isn't she? That's, like, oh, that's right, that's she's right. a waitress. She's a waitress, yeah. and she goes driving off and almost runs over an old lady because she's trying yeah. to put her makeup on at the same time. <laughs> Where uh, Chaz, I think he was called, yeah, was there <laughs> making breakfast. And the warlock's just eyeing up this breakfast. But he, we think he's eyeing up the breakfast, but he's actually eyeing up this scorpion ring. Yeah, he's totally looking at his the finger. Ring. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'd let you... Try it on, but oh, it's kind of stuck. Like, the joints have swelled and it won't come off. Yeah. So the warlock just grabs a knife, dump off with the finger, takes the ring, puts it on. All the while, Chaz is cowering in the corner like, <laughs> no, no, it's the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> like I said, I thought I remembered this death sequence being a lot better. And I'm like, no, this is terrible. Well, apparently this film was supposed to be a lot more gruesome yeah. than it actually is. Uh, but they decided... To, to cut a lot of the gore out of this film yeah. because they were worried about the censors or they were struggling with the budget for the effects. But yeah. they decided to tone down the graphic gore and violence and leave it more implied in this. Which, so. which like I said, as I get older and the more times I watch it, ruins it because the younger me can use my imagination to go, oh, I can see what they were wanting to do. But the older of me realises all the problems that they have in the background and and just realising that, yeah, we're just going to throw some blood up on the wall. And yeah, he killed this guy. Well, yeah, he he kisses him. And then, but we don't see it, but he spits but, but his tongue out into the frying pan. Yeah. Now, I mean, that as an image of itself is pretty gruesome and horrifying. Yeah, but, but it's, it's like, I want to see more of what the warlock witch is going to do to the guy's body to help him on this mission. Because we don't really know why he's here just yet. 
he's got to go and find some seer and have her communicate to his his devil boss. Now, interestingly, the uh, David Tui, when he was writing the script for Warlock, mm. it took him a long time to get it completed because in the original stages, the idea was that the Warlock was a good guy. The Warlock was being chased by religious persecutors in the 17th century for his abilities, so he flees through time and ends up in the 20th century only for religious prosecutors to come after him again. That was the original script. So the Warlock was originally a good guy, but after months and months of trying to develop this script, it didn't work. No way! Well, I mean, you've got to give it a go. Like, you have an idea, you try to develop it only to keep it in roadblocks, only to then have to U-turn it. But still, the, the fundamental basics of what he wanted for the Warlock is still in there, and I think it's what makes... Julian Sands or the Warlock character more interesting was that in the original draft he was the good guy so then layering on the fact that he's a villain I think we get a more nuanced and more interesting portrayal of this character I I, I want to say yeah but I can't see it working for an 80s horror movie the the persecution story you know that's more like the crucible or the piano like two hours of fucking William Defoe running around 17th century England and then you know, 17th century LA trying to understand his position in life because it it doesn't work. It honestly doesn't work because Julian Sands' motivation in this movie at this point, you know, as well, is finding out from his devil boss that he's supposed to find the Grim Grimoire, which is like the devil's Bible. He's got to find some of the pages, put it together, and then he'll learn uh, God's true name. And once he says it, he'll be able to undo all of creation, which... Is like that for me is Julian Sands. That for me is the warlock going, okay, fuck yeah, I've got a mission. I I find this book and I kill everybody. What do I get out of it? And the demon's just like, uh, the knowledge that you worked for me. And Julian Sands like, no, 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 no. I want to be the one true son. I want to be the one true son of Satan. And that that I think is what is fundamentally massively missing throughout this whole movie and probably from the sequels as well is that he's he's connected to the devil, he's connected to Satan, he's supposed to be killing everybody and doing really grim, weird things with their bodies to help him get to his next stage. Like with this woman, he kind of scoops her eyeballs out, doesn't yeah. he? And now he's using her eyes on his hand to show him in the direction of where these items are. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. It is, yeah. That's not going to work in a 17th century fucking, oh, I'm being persecuted by religious people for my beliefs, but here, I've scooped out this woman's <laughs> eyes. Well, no, because he wouldn't have been that villainous if he was the hero in the 17th century. Exactly, and it just doesn't work. But the scene that you've just mentioned there, I think it's one of my favourite scenes in the film. And, of course, it's Mary Warrenoff, who we've seen appear in several, like, awesome horror movies. Yep, yeah. It's quite a... a, 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 a a cult figure in horror. And and again, her sequences in, in this film were massively cut. She was supposed to have a scene where she reveals her chest and the demon eyes were supposed to be coming through the nipples on her boobs. Oh and why? in order to get in order to get the eyes out, the warlock stomps her corpse or body to death into pieces, into messes to get the eyes. Is this is this him still trying to be the good guy. No, no, no. Like I said, no, no, no. Like I said that was it was changed. Like I said that yeah. was the original idea, like yeah. the concept, the the where it came from. But yeah, so again, another sequence that they would 
apparently test audiences thought that the fake boobs were so funny that they it took them out of the moment and yeah. they laughed because yeah, yeah, of the yeah. demon eyes. Yeah. And so, yeah, eventually we just get the, the knife and he's just got them in that's, his hand instead kind of, of stomping our corpse into, into the mess. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's fine. But I do like the whole channeling moment where she's like, yes, I am <laughs> yeah, the voice you you're after. And he's like, no, no, I think I'll wait for the real one to show. <laughs> yeah. She's like, no, wait a minute. <laughs> and she does sell that really well. Like yeah. something is coming and it takes it over. And I then we get, yeah, we get like a little bit of makeup change and they have this whole conversation. But at the same time, we've also had, um, we've had Laurie go home. She's had her conversation with the cops when they found the body of her housemate or friend or whoever. And so she's gone home to get some shit together and um, a Giles has turned up and he's looking for, you know, the, the, the warlock, the witch. He finds a nail that he'd cut himself on. So he kind of constructs this kind of whole compass thing. And Laurie's had this confrontation with the witch as well, where he's taken like her bracelet and is now using her life for well he he curses her basically over the next couple of days you're going to age like 20 years 20 every years a day. day yeah you know and it's a nice concept and it makes that moment in the movie where you're like okay now the heroes have got this time limit without where they have to get to the bad guy and stop him before this ultimately meets its end but when you read in the notes as well that the actress laurie singer she she kind of hated having the makeup put on. Yeah. On know? the day of applying the makeup, she went, no, I'm not no, putting it on I'm anymore. On. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Like, you agreed to this at one stage. Yeah. And so you, what you have, and I, the thing about it now when I'm thinking back of the movie, what you have are really strong performances from Julian Sands and Richard E. Grant trying to make this warlock witch hunter characters work in this strange alien environment. But everything around them doesn't work. And so you you see the, the, the kind of the holes in the plot. Like, I could really not watch it. I, I could really watch this film without Laurie Singer in it. Her character brings nothing other than just the driving Miss Daisy for Richard E. Grant's character. Because he doesn't know how to drive cars. But uh, she's also, I mean, she's the surrogate for the audience, right? Because she needs to keep asking these questions yeah, that she, Red Fern can tell her. Yeah, but she she is, and I, and I get that, but I much prefer the Red Fern character. I yes. much prefer following just him and yeah. him being in this alien world, because I'm more attached to him yeah. and the warlock no. than her, because the makeup doesn't work, she's kind of bitchy, and even when she does get her youth back, she's like, I'm done, thanks, bye! Well, yeah, because she's like, I don't, you're off to go and fight that warlock. I'm not. Like, well, she's got no real reason to want to. She's already almost lost her entire life. Right. <laughs> right. But we're supposed to be connected to her. We're the audience. We're yeah. supposed to be joining her to defeat this evil. But yeah, I mean, what Red Friend tells her, like, if he gets all these pages, you're not going to have a life anyway. He will undo existence. So. Yeah. Might as well come and help me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, first, we're getting on a plane to Boston. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got a whole bunch of stuff before we get to that part. But there's something I want to bring up, though, and it's my mind kept reminding me of the Terminator when watching this. Yeah. It's like a reverse Terminator where instead of, it, it is. you know, the villain and the hero come back from the future, it's the hero and the villain coming from the past yes, to yes, the present. Yes. And it, 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 the entire film is a road trip movie like Terminator. They're on the run, either getting somewhere before the warlock or being chased by the warlock going somewhere. And, you know, and she's a waitress, like Sarah Connor. Yes. And she's, you know, he's the fish out of water trying to explain to her what the warlock is. She's the one trying to explain to him what the 20th century's like, yeah. cars, etc., etc. Yeah. You know, all the way to the ending, 
spoilers, where the waitress is the one to kill the monster at the end. Yes. So there's so many parallels uh, with the Terminator, and I, I, I could not stop shaking that thought once it got into my head. Yeah, yeah. Now it's in mine, thanks right. a lot. <laughs> but uh, they end up on the run. They, they're still using the compass to track down uh, his location. And the... He's killed the little boy up to this point, hasn't he? To give him the ability to fly. That's right, yeah. And again, that's <laughs> another sequence that was cut from the film. The killing of the child to strip his fat to make this potion so that he could fly. Now, I will say I do like that a lot of the spells and hexes and witchcraft that's in this film all come from uh, folklore. Yeah, so there, yeah. there's all some truths to you know to where these spells have, have their origins, which is which is great. Uh, but yeah, the the kid actor, do you recognise him? I think I did. Wasn't he in fucking Blind Fury? He was the kid from yeah. Blind Fury. Yeah. yeah. It's like, little shit. <laughs> Finally got your comeuppance. Well, that's it. And then he kills the kid off and now he's being able to fly down the road at like 90 miles per hour. And that's, that's something that does take me out. It's like, oh, I remember how cool it was watching him fly. And then I watch it and I'm like, it doesn't look cool anymore. It's... No, it, it probably didn't look cool. Yeah, like in the 90s, you no, know? yeah. But uh, what I will say is they tried. Yes. You know, like, it would have been pretty dull if the warlock was just walking the whole time. Like, we, like showing him have some magic, even if it's rotoscoped in or, yeah, yeah. or whatever, just... But at least they tried to make him fly. Yeah, it doesn't look anywhere near as good as, like, Superman. You yeah. Know? And there are some shots where he's flying outside the barn. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's really bad. But again, yeah. at least they tried. They tried to up the excitement of what was going on. Yeah, it's just that simply just one chase sequence area to another. Like, he, like he got the pages from Chaz and Laurie's apartment. It was in the table, yeah. It was in the table, which was really lucky. <laughs> yeah. Really lucky that that was there. Well, well I'd imagine, like... The, the devil, Satan, whatever, is going to send the warlock yeah, to yeah, and at least yeah. drop him off at the location of the first part. I'll go with that as well. Yeah, yeah. Because it's really predictable. <laughs> and then, then he's flying to this barn, um, which is owned by Amesh John or whatever he's called. The Mennonite. Yeah, and, and the, the, the grandpa is just like, oh, the milk's turned and the horse is sweating, so there must be, we're bewitched. There must be a demon nearby. Nobody realizes that the pages that we've got upstairs hidden in the attic are part, part of the fucking Satan's Bible. <laughs> um, and now, like I said, we're following um, Giles and Laurie as they're driving. Laurie is obviously getting older. Giles is wanting to confront the the, the uh, warlock so he can try and break the spell because they've realized that, look, he's got this charm bracelet. And so you have this kind of cool kind of confrontation at the farm where like we said we have some special effects outside in the sunlight which you know it looks bad but it's better than alien versus predator requiem yeah at least we can see some shit <laughs> um and is it here that she chases him to the train station well, he, i mean the weather vane gets thrown at, at redburn yes. he ends up throwing the weather weather vane back at him he does yeah uh, they end up knocking the warlock down they're, they're trying to apply all the cuffs they to are, him again. Yes, yes. And uh, but the old man looks the warlock in his eyes and the warlock starts to drain his energy or yeah, his essence or, or his life blinds him. him. Blinds him. Bleed or something, so Redfern yeah. ends up getting distracted trying to help the old man while the warlock makes his escape. Yeah. But he tells Laura to chase after him with this hammer. Yeah. It's this, a magic hammer. <laughs> this bit's really quite cool because like Gary said, you're looking for all the kind of old day kind of world 
witchy kind of yeah. resistance and it's just like right i've seen his footprint in the sand and so she nails the footprint with a, a nail and julian sands reacts to it which is really cool and so then he's got to lay on his back with his feet on well wood. that's it he ends up and he's in the train car and he breaks up that plank of wood and yeah. he puts it on his feet and raises his feet off the ground i'm like what? I'm like, oh, I guess that stops the pain. Yeah, yeah. But because he had fallen over in the sand, now this, I'm like, is that an ear shape in the sand? <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. they try really hard to make an, a head shape. But yeah, she nails the in, into his head, and I was like, oh, Julian Sand selling it really well. Yes. Like, I believe it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, he ends up passing out. We see his arm flop. And yeah. she starts running after him as fast as she can. Train starts moving away. She falls over. Yeah. She falls all the way back well, to where like she was. She's like 80. Yeah, you she's know? Like, exactly. She's like 80 at this point. He manages to catch up to the train. He wakes up the moment she grabs him, but she hits him with a hammer a couple of times, and, the, and then she falls over again. Yeah. But she realizes she managed to catch the bracelet in the hammer just in time. Yeah. And so... She gets to go back to normal, and then she tells Redfern, I'm going home. Mad enough for this. <laughs> yeah. I ain't chasing that motherfucker any further. The warlock holds two parts of the book. This much he confessed. Know you what happened should he gain all three? I don't want to know. But now they have to get on a plane. Yeah. Now, of course, this isn't going to fly in today's airports. <laughs> no. like, it's just not going to. But yeah, she ends up yanking the cord out the back. She's like, oh, I guess she's going to have to let us on board anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's carrying this giant We're murder right. weapon. This giant weather vane onto the plane. The woman's like, can I take that from you? He's like, over my corpse. <laughs> That's it. It's like... It's like I, I can I can buy believability if my mindset is in an eighties movie, but I've got to be deep, 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 deep in an eighties movie to just go. Oh yeah, you just let them on the plane with a whip. Well, we technically is an eighties movie. It just released in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I mean. Is my mindset's got to be right into it. I've got to yeah. just abandon all hope and try to remember what it was like back <laughs> yeah. then that we had no care. You know, because he's in the because the warlock decides that fuck it, I can't fly now either, so I'm going to climb onto the plane. Yeah, and just just be eating, stay in eat, the luggage compartment. Yeah, yeah, eating the rest of the kids' fat to kind of try to rejuvenate some of my powers back. And and Giles starts to realize that there are some things going on. Yeah, but he can't go anywhere to try to find the warlock because the warlock's in the. Well, he ends up going into the bathroom. He's like, "You in there?" <laughs> He's like, little old lady, like, "Oh, <laughs> comedy, comedy, comedy." Does it? So then, the, the now they they return back to Boston. Yeah, haven't they? This is where obviously the film pretty much has started, and they get there to the well, church. Cassandra ends up calling up a few people. She's like, mm. "We need to find this church. It's going to be in this location," and 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 she gets in there. But I do like the scenes where he's where he's just like, "I have memories of this place. I know this place. Like I know the turnings of roads mm. and the parks." But obviously, all this urban area is completely different but i like that he has ghost sort of memory yeah yeah yeah. and so he you know he's in the cab and the cab driver's like i've lived here my whole life i know exactly where to go and he's like turn west here now <laughs> yeah. oh, okay but yeah they get they get to the church priest is closing up yeah but uh they're just like yeah but we're here for the 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 grimoire the priest like, oh, well, i best let you in then <laughs> he looks up to his wife like sorry sorry darla yeah sorry darla that's it i was like oh this is what happened to her after she left <laughs> right that's the actress from the crow yeah. <laughs> but but the but the warlock's actually using them because he 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 kind of knows where the pages are but he might as well follow you know Giles and, and Laurie to get the pages because they end up going to holy ground you know the the last few pages have actually been buried with red fern's body but even though it's protected by holy ground and the warlock can't step on it they're actually planning on moving the body bodies i.e. poltergeist style 
Um, and so once they do that, well, no, they're actually going to move the bodies though, not just the headstones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they're, and once they do that though, the land where they go to won't be hollow ground, so he'll be able to get the the pages. And so it kind of just builds up this whole final battle. But for me, from the after the barn sequence to this final battle, it's a bit of a bit of a lull, you know. And maybe it's just me. Maybe I was already in a lull, knowing how the film is that just them on the plane and them just getting to the church it's just like oh, come on just get to the end now i just want to get to this final fight sequence because I, I know he's going to lose but they have this kind of cool battle it's not really in a cemetery it's a bit of a sound stage and it's a, ironic that there's a fucking sea i didn't even notice the sea at first well, until they're, in, they're in boston so, yeah. yeah but when they they when they <laughs> walk to the cemetery and when yeah. they're looking around i like I'm, i maybe it's just me maybe i didn't look for it really properly in the background but i'm pretty sure i didn't see a river or a bridge you know for her to be thrown into and come out going oh that's salt water oh that's lucky oh, i don't like salt <laughs> yeah. i've also got these needles because of my insulin yeah 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 because <laughs> she's been diabetic all the way through the movie you know, not affected her once. I know, I was just like, in, in, you know, when she passes out and wakes up and she's aged 20 years, I'm like, how many insulin jabs did she miss? <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> the movie just kind of ignored yeah. that story until the end. And she went, yeah. look, I've got these needles. And then she, yeah, she jams them in the neck of the warlock. Yeah. I mean, he'd already completed the, the book together. He knew the spell of un, of uncreation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, was, he was just like boasting like, I know your name. And then, yeah, he gets injected and then he melts and disintegrates and gets yeah. stomped into the ground. And you know what? For for its production, these are kind of the effects that I expect. Yeah, these effects were you great. Know, this effect was great. probably the best in the film. Best in, in this film, yes. <laughs> like the best in this film. Like... I remember certain these sequences, especially this final battle, being shown in the trailer, and me, and that's what caught my eye. Going, oh, I really want to watch that, especially like the book, you yeah. know, doing all the pages, you know, and then him and Redfern having the fight. But you know, his death sequence is like over quite quick. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's he's gone, and Redfern's just like, oh, you're gonna have to take the book now because um, he goes back in time or he ceases to exist. I'm not entirely sure. He goes back in back to where he came from. Yeah. Yeah. So well, yeah, but so he goes back to. Just after he left, I'd imagine warlock. he'd be back in the tower, and the warlock would have been still been gone, and he would. And, yeah, yeah, and he's got now memories of the future. To I'd imagine so, to, so he can, you know, make sure that something else is written in his tombstone. Well, but then, but this is it because because she's got the book. Yeah, and he hasn't, so he can't split them up for yeah. them to be found. In... Time paradox. <laughs> But she drives out to some salt flats, you know, the salt plains in America, because, well, warlocks hate salt, so you might as well bury the devil's book in the one place he can't go and hope there's no sequel. Well, I mean, there is a sequel, but I guess he just doesn't need the, the, the grimoire anymore. He needs something else. He needs to go and collect the, the five, I don't know, gemstones. From oh, gemstones. Yeah, so, and the Thanos glove. And, the Thanos glove, yeah. the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, that's, what he's, that's the second film. And then in the third film, he's just hanging out in this house with, um, with the girl from Hellraiser One. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's no. I mean, it's 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 not it's not even Julian Sands by the third film. It's bloody Bruce Payne 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just oh. series had gone down. Uh, I do recommend the second one somewhat. Yeah, like I, I like, kind of as well. Like five minutes into the second one, I'm like, whoa, they're very much being inspired by Sam Raimi, Evil Dead here. Yeah. There's bloody deadites in the opening scene. Yeah. Oh, oh. But they're so. It's basically watch watch the the second one for like a Hellraiser three reunion. Yeah. Like <laughs> like I I think the second one solidifies exactly the tone and kind of level that the series was going to the first one doesn't have it you know what the first one does have is some great acting from julian sands and richard e grant trying to make these roles in the series work but it's everything else around it that just doesn't tonally work you know the comedy's all over the place the horror is not even the horror element's not even there you know it's it's a movie about a killer witch who doesn't really kill much well, Andy, do you have any favourite or memorable scenes from the film? I've got a couple. Um, you know, I kind of like the battle sequence at the farm. It's fun. Especially the chase-up sequence where she gets the hammer and the nail and she starts whacking into his toes. Um, the flying warlock as he's racing down the road is quite a cool effect for its time. But, you know, the idea <laughs> behind it could have been better. And maybe the final fight sequence. That's about it. Um, like I said, Richard E. Grant and Julian Sands' performances kind of carry this movie a lot. And that's saying a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like a lot of the scenes in this film. Even just the banter, the dialogue. Any scenes where Richard E. Grant and Julian uh, Sands are on screen together. Really, those are, are, are the highlights of the film. But I really just love the the, the, the witchcraft, the spellcraft, the warlocky kind of stuff. You know, the... Uh, the fact that they're bewitched, the the signs, you know, the soured milk, mm. uh, the penny, um, you know, in the mouth, <laughs> the nails yeah. into the into the sand, the aging. I really liked all the hexes and the curse, like even the guiding eyes that are just pointing towards yeah. where the grim are. Yeah. There's so many neat ideas in this film. It's it is chock block full of it's chock full of ideas. It really, really is. Uh, and so whether they're utilized effectively or not, there's it's still. Gets your imagination going, and uh, and I think the material is really quite strong, uh, with all the research that was done to incorporate all of that folklore in there as well. Um, but yeah, the uh, the barn sequence, like you said, all the way up to her, like her real drive is to stop this aging process. And so yeah, yeah. I understand where you can feel like there's a lull once she's achieved what she wants. Yeah. But then yeah, getting her to join Redfern, you know, because there's like this kind of romance that wants kind to happen of, but yeah. he's you know rem remaining loyal to his fallen marion yeah uh, from his time that he's just like no i'm not gonna have this relationship with you um so i, I also like that aspect as well yeah well Ian, do you recommend a warlock no i can't recommend it um if you're if you've already seen it then like you, you don't need it recommended to you but be aware that if you go back and watch it it may not have the same kind of oomph that it did if you've watched it previously um i think any new watchers nowadays would have a field day tearing this movie apart and and maybe that's what kind of you need to do to give you a comparison to productions that you're watching nowadays where you'll go Oh, that film's not very good. You go, well, go watch Warlock. Go watch what we were watching back in the 80s and see how far we've come. Um, Julian Sands is great. Richard E. Grant is great. But I know better performances I've seen them in. And so then I watch them in this and I'm like, man, they've got like the 
the top billing in this and it's not great. What does that say about them? What does it say about the production? You know, they, they even like I said, the, the actress, Laurie Singer, you could have done the whole movie without her in it. That's, I'm, I'm not saying she's, she's the worst element. I think there's lots of bad things in there and it just doesn't work now. Sure. Well, I'm definitely going to be <laughs> recommending Warlock. This is an underappreciated, overlooked fantasy action horror <laughs> with great performances, music and ideas. Julian Sands is great, so charismatic, evil, yet well-mannered. He elevates the material so much. He makes it real. One of my favorite roles Sands has portrayed. Richard E. Grant was equally brilliant, heroic fish out of water, great line delivery, and intensely portrayed. Both really memorable. Laurie Singer was good, but her role wasn't as interesting as the battling leads. The film has a great pace. It's very entertaining, with locations changing throughout, several memorable warlock encounters, some decent cinematography, and I think it's a really great score by Jerry Goldsmith. The gore is very light, but the implied violence is fairly strong, and the, the burnt warlock effects at the end, I think, are, are really, really good. Yes, this is a schlocky B-movie horror. But I really do feel the performances and the ideas and the magic and the script and music really elevate the story. It's a fun, highly entertaining film that deserves a following, or at least a cult status. Great fun. It's Supernatural Terminator, except this time he's come from the past to destroy the future. <laughs> Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews. <laughs>